Jason retired from active duty in 2019 and served the majority of his army career in operational units. Hello and welcome to the Monarch Human Performance Podcast. I'm your host, John Sillis. Okay guys, on this week's episode, I'm really happy to be joined by Jason Mitchler. Jason currently works as the Director of Operations at the William J. Hibble Sports Medicine Performance Center. He also works as an injury prevention specialist for various fire departments throughout the country and as an instructor at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. His enlisted career began as an infantryman and later as a Special Forces medic with 3rd Special Forces Group, whilst completing two tours of Afghanistan. After being commissioned as a physical therapist, he was the lead during the implementation of the USOC Thor 3 program, Attempt Special Forces Group. During this time, he oversaw the development of a comprehensive performance and rehabilitation program at Fort Carson, Colorado. Following this assignment, he was selected to be Chief of the Physical Therapy at the Pentagon, and his most recent appointment was as a sole physical therapist for the Special Operations Task Force Afghanistan, serving both American and coalition forces. He's a graduate of the University of Northern Colorado with a bachelor's in kinesiology and the Army Baylor program with a doctorate in physical therapy. He's an orthopedic certified specialist and a certified strength and conditioning coach. Jason currently lives in Colorado Springs, Colorado. He's an assistant high school wrestling coach and holds a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. His role in the Thor 3 program and working at the Pentagon as the chief of physical therapy. In this episode, me and Jason chat about his time in Special Forces in 18 Delta, making the move to the physical therapy program. Good afternoon, Jason, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, John. Uh, no worries, man. Obviously, Jason, I've had the, the chance to chat to you a little bit now off air for a little while, and you know, obviously, you popped up on my radar because I heard you on a couple of other podcasts, like the O2X podcast, and I thought your story was really, really interesting. I was really keen to get you on just to chat about your experiences. Um, for anyone who hasn't come across you, Jason, and your work, can you just tell us a little bit about you know where you start off in your career and you know where you're currently at? Okay, yeah, let's give a little one over the world here. So, um, I was born in the uh, state of Wisconsin. I grew up here in Colorado. Um, after high school, I attended the University of Northern Colorado, and I got a bachelor's degree in kinesiology. Um, when I was in college, I signed up for the Army Reserves and I was an infantry guy. And so with that, you know, the first desert storm happened. So I guess I'm aging myself a little bit, but uh, um, I dropped out of school and we went to, we ended up going to Germany for a few months. And then I went back to school, finished there. And then after my bachelor's degree, I worked um, various jobs. I worked as a personal trainer I worked as an emergency medical technician. I worked for the, the airlines. And then I started working for a physical therapy clinic. Because um, I was thinking maybe I wanted to go to PT school at that time. And you know, I pursued, I thought about maybe strength coach. I thought about maybe um, physical therapy. In the early 90s, you know, the, the strength coach, you know, was just starting to kind of take off as far as in universities and that. And so uh, I ended up, I, meet, I met a guy when I, he was one of my patients and he had told me about the Army's program, the Special Forces Medic program. And so I, uh, from that point, I, I converted from the reserves. I went on active duty as an infantry guy. I was in Hawaii. Um, I tried out for the Special Forces. Um, I was selected to be a medic. And so the, with training, with everything, it was about two years. And then I spent a few years on a team. Um, I went to Afghanistan twice, went to West Africa right after 9-11. And then from there, I, I started thinking about what I wanted to do. And, you know, I was always um, interested in something medical still. 
And so I was thinking maybe I want to go to the medical school. So I needed some of the science prereqs because they had been so long. So I got out of the army in eight years. The army has a physical therapy program that's associated with the Baylor University. And so I applied to that. And, you know, I started looking into physical therapy a little bit more and kind of the whole whole principle of physical therapy had changed. And I think in the 90s, we're really heavy modality wise. You know, it was just like ultrasound and heat and stim and, all, and I, I hated it. Oh, God, I hated it so bad. And then I started looking into it, you know, and we were doing more exercise. You know, this is Gray Cook and some of these guys, these bigger names were coming up and they were really changing the way we looked at way people moved and that and so I thought so I applied got into the program and then I'm um, from there you know I did another 14 years in the military various duty stations um, most of the time was in, in Colorado and I retired in the summer of 2019 um, I took a job recently there's a William J Hibble Sports Medicine Performance Center here in Colorado Springs I'm the director of operations and so that's what I'm doing now. I uh, coach wrestling at the high school, local high school. I work for O2X. Um, I do some of their injury prevention and performance stuff throughout the country. And I also teach one of the courses at the university. And so I stay fairly busy. I like, I like chaos. So that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. So. Nice. That's awesome, Jason. Looking forward to digging into that a little bit more, dude. So obviously, going from reserves into more of the active duty side of things and going through that special forces uh, pathway. Did you obviously put in your packet, go through the Q course and then um, how, how does it link up then going through the Q course into the 18 Delta program there as well? Is it like, do you get um, assessed prior to that and think, all right, we think you'll fit best on the 18 Delta pathway? Yeah, they, they do. So they do a, it's called SFAS, which is Special, Special Forces Assessment and Selection. And at the time I went, it was a 26 day course. You know, it's, it's kind of like just a big gut check. You know, there was some land nav stuff and there was some, a lot of um, mental testing we did. You know, like we did a lot of stuff at night. We did some public speaking. Um, I think the attrition there is probably over you know, over 60% that, you know, people just get or they drop out or decide that's not really what they want to do. And so uh, after that, they, they select you, um, you get selected. And then if you're enlisted, like I was, you can get chosen to be one of, you know, four things. And so we, we did like a, uh, you know, we did like a priority list, like what we wanted. And, you know, obviously I was hoping to be a medic and uh, it, they base it on this, one of the tests we take, um, entrance exam is called the GT score and I think if your GT score is high enough then typically they'll put you in like the, the 18 delta or the medical program or the echo program the combo program so mm -hmm. um, somehow my GT score was high enough and so I got picked for uh, um, the delta which which I was happy and then yeah then you go you go right into the Q course and so um, it, it's always changing but there's different phases you know uh, we do like a patrol phase and then you do the schooling phase. And so that's when everybody separates out into their MOSs, medics go with the medics and the combo guys. And for us, that was a little over a year of just straight medical stuff. And that's, you know, another real high attrition rate. Um, I think we started maybe 60 to 70, the guys in the course, and we finished with six first time people, you know, and so, you know, some of it's just uh you know, guys, bad luck, you know, our guys just, you know, they, you know, just have a bad day or whatever. And, 
they'll, they'll get recycled to another course. Um, usually they'll, they'll do one recycle into the medical course. And then after that, they may push them to like another MLS. Um, that's why a lot of times they'll call the medical program, like the de delayed Bravo program, which is the weapons guys, you know, and so, but if some guys were hoping for that anyways, but yeah, it was good, you know, and then we did, we did, we did like another big function together and went to language school and Sears school. And then I finally went out to a team after that, but it was, a uh, it was great training. I can't say it was a whole lot of fun, you know, and, and it, at times it was a little, it was really challenging, but in the end, you know, I was certainly glad to do it and it felt pretty rewarded when you're done. So. That's awesome, dude. And I mean, um, Obviously, it's it's a it's a fairly fast paced course from what I've read and stuff, and similar to I can imagine like uh, for some of the guys who've been in like power rescue and stuff as well, like taking what would be in civilian street, you know, a couple of years course and condensing it, you know, into such a short space of time. So I can imagine just the, the tempo of getting through all that material must have been something else. Yeah, you're definitely getting fire hose with the information. You know, it's yeah. it's fast paced and it's. Uh... For me, you know, I had a bachelor's degree, you know, I'd been to college already, so I had an idea how to study, you know, there was some younger, like you're saying, like the, at that time, the pararescue, they went to that same course, and, you know, these guys are 19, 20 years old, and so, you know, I, I'd been around the block a little bit, so I, I kind of knew how to study and where to focus my time, and so, but yeah, it's, it's, it was definitely a fire hose of information, so. Interesting, man. And I mean, obviously, you said you had an interest, um, back when you were in the reserves, you know, within physical therapy, but then obviously you went to Special Forces, 18 Delta program. What, what drew you back into the, the physical therapy side of things? Because obviously I know within 18 Delta, because of the, the skill set you guys have, most guys go into either pure medicine or like a physician's assistant side of things. Yeah, and that, that was my original intent. Um, and then I was at a, in 03, I was in Afghanistan and I was with a, we had a PA attached to us and he was an amazing guy and you know we were seeing lots of like multi-system trauma like weekly just multiple multiple cases of multi-system trauma and so i was getting a lot of good experience and there was at times that he had, he was he wasn't at the camp so it was just me and another medic kind of as the lead medical people there and and uh is a meathead that can be kind of scary you know but like you know we had we had received a decent enough training that we could fall back on but then i got to the point of like I realized I didn't really like sick people. Like, you know, I didn't like, I didn't like diarrhea and I didn't like stomach aches. And yeah, you know, I liked the trauma. I liked musculoskeletal stuff and I liked training. You know, and this time I was always, you know, training or, or, or working towards something. And that's kind of where my, and where my focus always, you know, kind of my passion was. And so when I looked at medical school, I was thinking like an orthopedic thing or something like that. And then I had done a couple, uh, um, just observations in, in, in orthopedic surgery. And I realized I didn't really like that either. Like it was just too much, too slow pace for me. You know, I wanted, I wanted more hands-on. I wanted more interaction kind of on a daily basis. And so that's why I started looking towards um, physical therapy as opposed to medical school or PA. And I didn't do very well in organic chemistry. So I didn't have this choice. <laughs> cool. But I mean, obviously you, you applied and you know, as part of the, the Army Baylor program and the DPT school down there as well, and obviously made that transition through to there. How did you find going, you know, from being in, you know, Special Forces ODA as an 18 Delta and then making that move to being a full-time student in that environment? And, you know, how did that past medical experience of being in the 18 Delta, you know, really serve you during school? 
Yeah, I feel like it, it, it was a huge advantage for me, you know, going through is just because the the Delta course, you know, when we when we would do like a hands-on, you know, it, it was never just a hands-on, you know, there was people firing rounds or explosions or people screaming, you know, and it created this like really stressful situations. And then, then I'm in, you know, physical therapy school and it's just me and one guy sitting in a quiet room with the instructor. And so for the, for the hands-on portion, I felt like, you know, I was really, I, it never stressed me out, no matter what the, kind of what the, um, what, whatever training period we were in or whatever body area we were covering or what, I felt like I was really well prepared and that I could study, you know, I knew how to time management at, at that time. And mm -hmm. um, I, uh, I took, you know, I, I took PT very, school very seriously, but, you know, I still found time to, you know, I worked out, I coached my kids sports and, you know, I took time for myself. I mean, my grades probably could have been a little bit better, but, you know, I, I was just trying to kind of live like more of a balanced life and I wasn't too worried about, you know, I knew, I knew I was going to graduate the program. I just, you know, like the sort of grades that they matter, but they didn't really matter to me, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, so coming from the 18 Delta program, you know, like <clears throat> you're just surviving every day. You know, it was a little different where I could kind of go and the instructors would talk to you and, you know, after like a test, they would check in with us and see, you know, how they had done or whatever. That doesn't happen a whole lot in like uh, the 18 Delta program, but it's a, it's, it's a different mentality, but, you know, it's fine. And I think it creates good character. So cool. Now, obviously, like one, one of the big things I reached out to you about, Jason, is because obviously after listening to you on the OTX podcast, you talked about your time with the, the Thor uh, 3 program. How soon was it after you finished up in Baylor that you made that move over to that program? Yeah, so not not too soon after. Um, when I did one of my clinicals, uh, we were talking about clinicals earlier, I did an eight-week, and I came out to Fort Carson, which is in, in Colorado, and I did part of that time at the Air Force Academy with the cadets and the students, and the other time I did with 10 Special Forces, and at that time, I met the current group PT, and we stayed connected, you know, and I, I, I kind of... I'd let him know that, you know, if he was ever going to leave, that I was interested in taking his position. So right after school, I went to Fort Benning and I was working out of a, a medical clinic there. And then probably right around a year in, um, this guy, Rich Westrick, he got selected to go to uh, Emmanuel Ther or the sports medicine fellowship program at West Point. And so he was leaving, he asked if I was interested. I applied. And so Physical therapy wise, I probably, you know, I probably was pretty green going into that job as like the lone PT, but I had had a great mentor at Fort Benning for that year. And um, it really set me up for success I, for my whole career. I think this, you know, this guy set me up for success for my whole career. And so I, I was comfortable going into that position alone and I was comfortable with the army. So I wasn't worried about, and I was going back to group. So I wasn't really worried about that so much, but I was pretty, I was pretty green as a physical therapist. So. Nice, dude. And what was it like then, you know, going back in, you know, what was early days like being back on the ground? Yeah. So, you know, this is when they were initially standing up the Thor three program. And so, which was, you know, this big comprehensive human optimization program. There was, you know, it was a, they had pushed out a ton of money for it for, they had, um, kind of a headquarters element at Fort Bragg leading the charge. And then they, you know, all the groups and the regiments and um, the 160th, they all had these smaller units. And most of us were just, uh, the physical therapist was the person that kind of running it. Um, 
And so Rich, Rich Westrick, he set up, you know, he had ordered equipment, had kind of started to set up the facility. You know, they had interviewed people that they were going to hire. And so um, it was a huge learning curve, like when I stepped into the position, because it was just me, you know, and they had been working on this probably for a year. And so there was a, just a ton of stuff for me to learn, kind of um, get up to speed with. And at the same time, I was trying to be a physical therapist to the unit. You know, I was a, at that time, I was the lone physical therapist. And so it was a lot of long days, you know, I, you know, and uh, a lot of stressful days and kind of just kind of figuring out where the program was going. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of as I jumped into that and, you know, it was just kind of all thrown on me and I was in these meetings and um, but it, it all worked out. But it was it was it was stressful. So. I see. So obviously trying to balance your time as well as developing the program, but being there as the, the PT on the ground with the guys as well. What would you say other than the time things was the like the biggest challenges you were facing with standing that program up and looking back on it? What, what do you think are the biggest lessons you've learned from that time in that program? Yeah, I, I think, John, probably the, the biggest thing is as, as we came into this, you know, it was it was just me. And so Use, use of SOC or Special Operations Command had an idea of what the program would look like. And then my local command had an idea of what the program would look like. And then, you know, we had hired a couple contract strength coaches. We didn't have a, you know, a kind of a permanent civilian yet. And we were having some troubles with that. And so there was a lot of competing ideas on what a good program would look like. And the, the intent had been that they would model it after professional sports or D1 athletics and these performance programs or these rehab programs, we would model it after. And so what everyone has a different idea, what they think that that could be. And so, um, and then who was going to get the, who were we going to provide services to? Was it going to be just the operators? Was it going to be the support people? Initially, the thought was it was just the operators. Well, like our local command was really adamant that that it was, you know, that the program was for everybody. And so, you know, and then I'm, they're talking at the, the USASOC level. Well, that's not what the funding's for. And so, you know, we were just trying to understand where to go. Um, and, and I think some of it was on me, like, like probably because I didn't understand it either coming into it initially. I think if for me to understand kind of what the the intent was and then communicate that really good with with the commands and then as we brought in these coaches and that like we needed to communicate like kind of like a a combined front or you know combined so that we're all on the same page we, you know but we had a lot of different opinions even at our coach level and so um I think that's probably the best thing I would could have done better is just communicate like here's where we're at, here's where we need to go, and then take the guidance from the use of SOC and, and and them, and then let the local command know that, and then whatever the local command's going to do, the local command's going to do, and then I would just stick with that, you know, as opposed to trying to play both sides the whole time and um, kind of figure out where we want to go as a program and. You probably know, John, like everyone thinks they know how to work out, right? Like everyone, especially like in the military, everyone has ideas. What's good programming? Like what's, you know, do guys run too much? Do they lift weights too much? You know, where, where we're at and the research is fairly, it's fairly, you know, it's 
it's out there and it says, you know, what, what we should be doing and how we can develop the best operator. And I think we just have to kind of stick with that and stick with your guns and let the research speak for itself as, as you move forward. And, and it has, you know, I mean, this, this program is really, it's developed over time, but you know, it's just some growing pains with, with everything in the, the military and the government, it's always, it's always slow and it takes a little time to, to develop these programs. I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> no, you did, mate. And that, that, that segues nicely into my next question. It's just like, you know, how has that program evolved now? So obviously a lot of teething problems early on, um, that, you know, who's feeding into the program and, you know, who is that program actually for, as you say, is it for the operators, is it for the wider wider community in there as well? So how, how's that grown now and what what's it? Yeah, so the, the whole program as a whole has really evolved. You know, they... They made it part of this. It's called the Polaroid, which is pressure on the force of family. And you know, they they you know they're not just looking at physical; they're looking at spiritual, mental, all this other you know all these other aspects of health. And and so they've they've hired social workers, they've hired sports psychs, data analysts, dietitians. You know, this all this stuff that they can pull into the program, and they've able been able to integrate it. I think probably one of the things that has helped is they hired a permanent. You know, we call them a a GS or general services, which is kind of like a permanent government employee. And so once we, we got ours on board, which was probably a year and a half after I got there, we hired Paul Goldberg. And so having that stability is, is good, you know, because guys like me, the army guys were leaving every three years and then a new guy comes in with different ideas and, you know, and there's, so having that stability there where someone's building a program year after year, and then there's other people, other groups and other battalions with these same GS people. I think they all start to, they, they all, they all have the same ideas, like how to build a program. You know, maybe there's little tweaks, you know, but in the end, those are minor differences on how they're building these big programs and they can collaborate together. And, and so, um, it's, so it's really evolved. You know, I, I, when I initially retired, I worked as a contractor with 10 special forces for, maybe six months and I was just amazed at just you know what they had done with the program and how many teams they had reached out to meaning like the the, the teams in the unit um, how many teams they had touched how involved with the different schooling they were how involved they were with injured athletes how, how involved they were with uh, the deployment cycles and so they were just kind of really in tune to everything and and I think overall people had in, invested in the program and some of that too is in a decade, you know, if you have a young guy who starts on a team and his team sergeant is, is invested in the Thor three program, as he comes up, he, he sees value in it. And then when he becomes a team sergeant or maybe the Intel guy, he pushes that. And then, you know, it, it just slowly builds with anything, but yeah, right now it's, it's, it's pretty impressive. And I, you know, I, it's hard to believe that we went a long time with, without a program like that, you know, when, Back when I was a team guy, or we didn't have a weight room, you know, it was just like this one of the old universal things shoved in a supply closet. Mm -hmm. And and PT physical training, we while we did it, it was never a priority, right? It was we were going to the range, or maybe we would rock. That was like our kind of our physical training, but the main push was always, you know, actual arming training. And I don't think we saw the value in having that physical piece or the nutrition piece or any of these other pieces, how that would improve our training overall. And I think they're, they're, they're seeing it now and kind of they're seeing the fruits of their labor from this program. Definitely, definitely. Dude. Like you say, 
you know, the, the skill set work is always going to take precedence because that's where you guys are, you know, trying to develop and all these other things are just underpinning that can help support that and manage that as well. Um, obviously, it's an incredible program I've looked into with it. And it's just like the, the work you guys have done there from a performance aspect, but also there's the, the rehabilitation, the reconditioning work you guys have done. Now, I'd say within the military structure with the unique demands faced by soldiers, but also from a rehab side of things, you know, there's the, the common musculoskeletal injuries, but then if things go bad, they can go really bad and trying to get guys back, you know, from severe injuries back to deploying like a lot of these guys are doing. From your own experience, if you can chat about it, Jason, you know, what, what's the, um, probably the most challenging, you know, sort of case study you've been on par of or challenging case studies? Yeah, so we had a guy, I'll, I'll just tell you one case study that I was kind of tell you my thoughts on like the rehab piece and the performance piece. Yep. But uh, so we had a guy, he was, uh, he was in North Carolina and he was wakeboarding at one of them. Um, it was like the, the private thing with the cable that runs around the outside. Yeah. And somehow it got tangled around his upper arm and almost degloved all the skin and muscle on his upper arm. So huge, huge trauma, right? Like so much nerve damage and muscle damage and just the scar tissue on that was just amazing. And he had no muscle control of his wrist or his hand. He could barely move, you know, flex his elbow. And um, so over time he came in and, you know, we, we saw him and, you know, they, and he, he did the work, you know, but he couldn't, he had to tuck his hand in his pants when he walked around because otherwise his hand would just like flop around and he had to wear this brace to hold anything and we had a physical therapist there his name is Steve Kanger and and he worked with him pretty consistently I, maybe a year or whatever and this guy too like you know and this guy's credit he was just a tough cat you know like he, he didn't care like at one time they had set him up for uh they were going to have him do some uh, they were going to go see a mental health specialist you know just to kind of help him deal with that and, you know, we set up the appointment. Well, he didn't show. Of course he didn't show. Like, he's like, you know, he's just a tough dude. And, uh, but yeah, and then, you know, I would see him in the gym and he's like, yeah, I'm able to hold like a light kettlebell. I've been swinging it or whatever. And then, uh, you know, he, he went back to full, full duty. He, uh, he took a team again. And my last tour in 16 and 17 as, as a physical therapist, he was over there. And so, but we would talk all the time. And yeah, you know, besides his scar tissue, like there wasn't really a whole lot of effects. You know, but initially when they had done like some of the nerve conduction studies, they're like, yeah, this, dude, you're done, man. Like you're going to get medically retired from this. And yeah, it was just, it was pretty amazing what, what he could do. And uh, just along those lines, I think the challenge for us, and I think the, the challenge for the military, which is, it's always been this way is someone gets injured and they go to physical therapy or they go see the doc, the doctor sends them to physical therapy, right? And then there's that point where, they've returned to function, they can do whatever they need to do, right? They're not necessarily, they don't need to be in rehab anymore, mm -hmm. but they're not ready to go back to full duty. And so <clears throat> we've, we've called it bridge program, we've called it return to duty. And I think that's just a huge gap right now with everything is in, they've developed some of these bridge programs. And I, I know group has one where, you know, they're working with a guy and, and he develops a programming for them, which is progressive, which gets them back doing stuff that they need to be doing, like functional stuff, like, you know, squatting with loads or pressing weight or, you know, doing sled stuff or whatever with a, a good progression. 
You know, a lot of times physical therapists, us, we, we get a bad rap, right? Be, because we deserve it, right? <laughs> you know, like guys get injured and we're giving them, you know, a guy gets injured, right? And, and say it's like a knee injury. Well, we take them back to like an air squad or something and then they're ready to go, but we're still giving them short arc, short arc quads or something goofy like that, right? Like we should be giving this guy under the bar. Or we should have them hip hinge or we should have them out in the gym doing movement stuff. And, you know, I think a lot of it is, is we don't know how to, how to do that or how to progress that or we're not comfortable with that. So we don't do that. And we just fall back on like the basic stuff. And I think it, it's definitely getting better, you know, like, and I can't say that for all physical therapists, but I've worked in a lot of different clinics and I see the same stuff a lot of times, you know, just, we're, we're just, we stay at this base level way too long and we're not, we're not pushing people. We're not doing progressive overload to get someone back doing what they need to do, especially if he's a, you know, if he's a special forces guy on a team, like he needs to be able to jump out of planes and rock a hundred pounds and run heavy stuff. And so, and the only way they get there is you have to, you have to start building on that. And so, um, I don't know if you've seen that, but like, that's kind of my thought, you know, it's just like, we get a bad rap, but we usually deserve it. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd say from my past experience within sport as well, Jace, like it's like, I've seen on both sides, I've seen some excellent, excellent physical therapists, you know, who understand like the, the progression, that performance model of what they're chasing. And then more of the classic PT of just get, getting someone back to function, you know, like low level function and not have an idea of, well, what is it this individual is going to be exposed to? What are the demands of their job? Or, you know, in my case, what was, that, what was their, their sport? Um, so they just ended up on this continuous loop of rehab, get injured, go back, you know, and constantly just in that rehab cycle, you know, like, all right, I've gone back, boom, injured once again. And it's just like, unless you're truly aiming to get back to that top level performance, you're just going to be constantly treading water, I feel. Yeah, and I, and I, I think the we feed into like their fear avoidance, right? And so we're heavy on the modalities, right? Like, oh, we have to, you know, like, like dry needle is pretty big now. Like, well, then we start, a guy starts to think that he needs to be dry needled every couple of weeks or his back's gonna flare up, you know, as opposed to saying like, okay, it's it's a tool, we can use it. But, you know, if, if you're requiring this every couple of weeks for the rest of your life, well, something else is going on that we're not addressing and we need to fix that. You know, the, the answer isn't you just get more dry needling, you know, and, and, and I think there's a place for some of these modalities, but we have to realize like the, our, our intent is to get them away from this stuff, right? Like to get them moving back to doing whatever it is they're trying to do without needing continuous, continuous physical therapy or manual therapy or whatever it is, whatever the case is. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's something I've seen as well, like even going into PT school now, like, you know, empowering that, that patient to be like right you need to push on and you need to be doing this stuff and don't rely on me which is which is huge because like you say then otherwise the pt just becomes a crutch for that patient yeah no for sure and you see it all the time too and, you know, i think the docs feed into it a little bit you know with uh, telling guys you know the whole don't deadlift or don't squat and and so and especially for an active population that i could never see like where that would be a a, a good argument for anything so exactly. we'll get there i think it's i think it's i think we're, i think physical therapy is moving in the right direction you know it's just you know people fall back to what they know and um what's easy and a lot of times we're just we're just pumping out people through the clinic too and so it's hard to you know like take someone out in the gym and progress them when you only got 20 minutes or whatever so 
definitely definitely i just want to just to loop it back just for a quick second jason just with that that case study example you said about the guy who obviously got almost degloved from from the wire and then obviously he managed to rehab and make it back to the team how long was that time frame from him you know getting injured on that and getting back onto the team yeah i want to say it was a close to a year okay i want to say yeah it was a long time frame and uh but he, he never stopped. And like I said, I saw him all the time. He was in our clinic all the time. And, uh, you know, they were doing either doing scar work with him, or, you know, they were doing some gliding stuff with him. But then he was just in the gym all the time working on stuff. And, yeah, I mean, he, he definitely put in the work. But, you know, I think there's something to the whole, the mental aspect of it or, you know, kind of the, the brain plasticity for that. And, you know, and he just kind of drove through whatever else was saying was impossible. And, and he was, he's doing fine and he's retired now, but he's still doing really well. So yeah, he's a good dude. So nice, nice dude. Uh, obviously, you had an awesome career in special forces there, Jason. And then I know from listening to the previous interviews, you, you, you moved on and you started working at the, the Pentagon as the chief physical therapy. So how did, how did that opportunity arise? Yeah. So it wasn't as hard as most people would think. And I was kind of surprised too. Uh, so I knew the, so there was, I knew the current physical therapist in the position. And so he had taken it over when, when the, the guy before him became the, the current uh, Obama's to, like main physical therapist. And so I had created a gap there. And so he took the job over and then he had gotten into a PhD program and we were, we were actually classmates. And so I called him up um, when I, when I learned he was going to be leaving. And I just said, you know, what, what does it take to get into the, that position or whatever and um yeah so I just sent my resume in did a couple of interviews and um I think for especially for us you know in the army like the, the more proactive you are in your career it usually it usually blows well pretty well for you you know I never went anywhere I didn't want to go like I always kind of like forced my <laughs> forced my way into the stuff and you know I, I kept connections you know and and I uh I try not to burn bridges and and connect with people I, I tell you that when, when I told you about the PA that I was in my first tour with it with the multi -serve. so when I got to group as a physical therapist he was there as one of the battalion PAs you know and so we were able to work together again and so it's always like a circle and so but yeah that's how I ended up there I just you know I did a couple of interviews I I, I, I um, sent my resume talked to some people and you know I was lucky enough to get selected it was it was a it was a, it was a great job I, I really enjoyed it you know kind of being a you know, it's, it's as cool as people think it is, you know, working there. So I, I liked it. So it's, uh, but for me, um, I worked in a, the clinic. So, you know, I wasn't like grinding too hard. I was there when the clinic hours were open and, you know, every now and then, you know, I'd have like five generals on my schedule and kind of like these big names that I'd always heard of, you know, that were, were on the news and stuff. And so, yeah, I really liked it, you know, and I was just a kind of, I was just like a lowly captain there. So everyone just kind of left me alone or, I tried to provide me with some like guidance. So like, yeah, it was, it was I really enjoyed that. I was only there for a couple of years, but it, it was a great experience for me, so. That's cool, dude. And what was it like, you know, transitioning there after, um, you know, Fort Carson, you know, what, what was the pace like overall? You're saying there was clinical hours there instead of being- Yeah, uh, so a lot slower. Yeah, and so I was actually, at that time I was director over the wellness center there too. So I was able to kind of slow down a little bit and, um, they they had a, a center there where they were doing a lot of running assessments so i was able to kind of get involved with that 
And then I started doing some running clinics with some of the people at Walter Reed and an Air Force doc. And so we, um, yeah, the pace was a little bit slower. And for me, it was good. You know, I was able to coach some, I coach wrestling for my son and coach football. And so, um, yeah, besides the traffic, it was, <laughs> it was a good job. And yeah, and I, you know, I made a lot of connections there and which, which I've kept to this day. And so, yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, definitely slower. The, the population or the, the patient population, definitely like an older population, obviously, you know, most guys in their 40s and 50s. Um, but interesting, a lot more compliant than any other population I'd worked with. You know, I think for the most part, if you're, if you're at the Pentagon, you've had a fairly successful med uh, military career. And, and you uh, you get stuff done, you know what I mean? And so uh, guys, they didn't have a whole lot of time and they wanted, they needed to know what to do and then they did it, you know? And if they came back and they didn't do it, they were really honest with it, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, I didn't have to question them, you know, they just said, yeah, well, I wasn't doing it. That's why I'm not feeling any better. And I was like, fair enough, right? Like, let's just go again and come back and try it again and so on. Nice one, nice. And I mean, obviously I'm guessing it's just like, um, low-level MSK injuries we're talking about for those guys that are just from, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, kind of the chronic. The one, you know, with the, the Navy pilots, we'd see a lot of, um, you know, they'd be fairly beat up. Well, maybe just not necessarily Navy pilots, but pilots in general, you know, because they, they never want to admit they have a problem because they don't want to get pulled off flight status. Mm -hmm. And so when they get to the Pentagon and they're not on flight status anymore, they finally, like, they're like, yeah, everything hurts or whatever. And so we'd see a lot of, that's when they, they'd go get their shoulder operated on or their knee surgery or their back surgery that they'd been waiting on. And so, um, but yeah, most of the time it was just like chronic stuff, low back pain, neck pain, I'm sitting in an office. Yeah, nothing nothing too exciting, but it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. So. Nice dude, nice. So obviously great military career now working, you know, um, as director of operations in the hospital there. What, what What's next for you, Jason? Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not too sure. So right now, like I said, I'm the director of operations here. So I've been another learning curve here to kind of learn the civilian side of things. And so I, we run a clinic, we have a performance center, which, you know, 10,000 square feet, we have three performance coaches, and it's all retail, we have a couple altitude chambers in there. Um, so we're, we're, we're trying to work with some local athletes, you know, we're working with some of the local like police and fire departments. And so I'd like to you know, pursue that a little bit. You know, we did a, a recent pilot with the fire department, which is a six-week pilot. We did some pre-testing on them and post-testing. And um, I was amazed, you know, like the, these guys really need it, right? So they uh, they may be in decent enough shape, but they, they move poorly or maybe they just kind of, they really haven't taken care of themselves physically. Not that they haven't worked out, but, you know, they've let themselves get beat up over the, over the years. And I would like to see us create some type of sustainable program for like the fire department here, you know, along the lines of like O2X does and where we can provide education, we can provide training, we can provide a place for them to train. And so that's kind of my hope. Um, I, you know, I just hope to keep developing this center here. We haven't even been opened a year. So there's a lot of learning going on. And the fact that, the fact that we're attached to the university helps also. Um, for the research side of things and um, just a lot of resources there that we can do. And so, um, but that's, yeah, I'd like to pursue that and, you know, continue working with O2X and I'll continue coaching until my body won't let me anymore. And then I'll, I'll make a decision there. So, but so far so good. So. Cool. Cool. Sounds good, dude. 
Now, obviously, Jason, everyone I have come on the show, I'm always curious to know what they're engaged in for their own education. So for that, could you just give us either a book, an app or a website recommendation that you personally found useful for your own education or your own development? Yeah, so for the physical therapy side, I would definitely say, are you familiar with the manual therapist? Uh, yes. Yeah, well, that guy is amazing, isn't he? Like, so my, my first clinical um, kind of supervisor, he was a McKinsey guy. And so, you know, that's was kind of my first, you know, as far as coming out of the schoolhouse, I, I can't think of a better place to be than like learning like the McKinsey mm -hmm. system. You know, it gets a lot of different, people have a lot of opinions about it, but for for a new grad, man, it was it was eye opening for me, and it's it's um, it altered my like career and the way I treat people. And so then with that, you know, I could once I found the manual therapist, I was able to tie in some of the stuff he was doing, the manual therapy and the dry needling and all this stuff. But yeah, I really like his site. It's, he's just got some great stuff. You know, if you're ever looking on, you know, if you're working on like a hip and I want more internal rotation, getting on there and he'll talk through it and the stuff he does and so. I appreciate, yeah, I really appreciate his site. And then on the performance side of the house, you know, for me, it's the NSTA. I don't think you can go wrong. And they just have so much good stuff out there now. And, you know, I know you had Tyler Christensen on and that guy, he, he revolutionized the TSAC program. You know, when we first came in, it was, uh, it was interesting, like the first TSAC, you know, in Vegas, it was, you know, they were kind of just wondering, you know, they were kind of looking which way to go, but and he took that thing and ran with it with the whole facilitators course. And yeah, it's pretty impressive. And they just have a ton of stuff on their websites too. And so those would be the two big ones I would probably recommend. Cool. That's awesome. That's awesome, Jason. So obviously like, it's been great again to chat to you, Jason. If anyone's listening to this, you know, who wants to, you know, reach out either to connect or just to find out a bit more or, you know, ask some, you know, questions around PT and stuff, you know, what's the, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, probably just uh, my Instagram. It's just Jason Mitchler and whatever Instagram. So, but yeah, if you contact me there and then, you know, if, if you if you have any other questions, I can give you my email from the Instagram. We can go from there. So. Sweet. Well, that's awesome. Jason, thank you once again, dude. I know you're a busy guy. So thank you very much for giving up some of your time to chat to me. Dude. Thanks, John. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it, Mitch. Take care, buddy. Okay. Thanks. Hi guys, really hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Monarch Team Performance Podcast. I just wanted to say thank you for your continued support to the show. We're slowly growing each week and getting more and more downloads, which is truly incredible for such a niche-specific podcast. The continued support us can ask you to do me a simple favor. First of all, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're using so you can receive each new episode as soon as it's released. Secondly, if you found something educational, if it made you see a different perspective, or if you took something away from this podcast that made you better, please leave us a review as it means a lot to me and please share the show. This will help us to grow the show and really get this information out to a lot more people.